0: Listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast about what is going on in the world because there is a lot going on in the world and we don't always keep track of it. And sometimes it's quite complex by nature in terms of understanding it and who is better at explaining this stuff than this gentleman who joins me for the podcast. It's actually his podcast, Dr. Keith Souter, And I learn so much from this man. It's always an honour to do this podcast with him. So let's get into it. Surveillance. This is just scary, Keith, because we've seen it happen in China. China is the most surveilled population in the world. It's mind-boggling for a democracy like us to even think that you can be that heavily surveilled. But it's coming to Australia.
1: It is. It's coming to Australia. This book actually looks at the United States situation but clearly has implications for us. So it's by a guy called John Fasman, F-A-S-M-A-M, We See It All, Liberty and Justice in the Age of Perpetual Surveillance. And so this fellow uh, works for The Economist magazine in Great Britain, and he's obviously somebody who really knows his way around technology. And The Economist is a fairly conservative magazine, so he's not taking an extremist position by saying we're heading into this Orwellian situation of all of us being spied on all the time. But his book does indicate how what I call the technology of social control is creeping extensively through the United States. It starts off with something like the um, automatic license plate readers. So a police car, and we have them here in New South Wales. I've been inside a police car. I've seen how these things operate. They have cameras all the way around the car. So at any one time, a car could be looking at six cars, parked or driving in front, driving behind, driving at the side, et cetera. And the car, the police car each morning, is loaded with the names or the numbers of cars that need to be checked that day. So perhaps the registration has expired, perhaps it's a car that was involved in an auto theft incident of some sort or other. Now, in the old days of policing, a police officer would be given a list of numbers when they started the work each morning and they would have to memorise the numbers which meant that they could easily pass by a suspicious car and not be aware of it. Now they've got a computer on board that's calculating all these things. So the technology really is quite uh, fantastic. And he looks at this, the whole question of the what's called the ALPR, the Automatic Licence Plate Readers. Um, and so they're now on a number of police cars in the United States. I say they're used extensively here Um, certainly in New South Wales, my guess in, in the other jurisdictions as well. Now, what he's doing is going through and looking at a number of other issues, the whole question of facial recognition technology. After all, if you can work out license plates, why not also recognize faces? Now, this is something, of course, the Chinese have pioneered, but other Western corporations also realize it's a way of creating money. And so it is really this, Desire for money, which is pushing this along, because they figure there's a good market which they could use with all of this technology. So he also, so um, he looks at the license plates, uh, remembering people's faces. He's looking at how uh, you've got eyes in the sky. In other words, drones that float above you. You don't even you don't see the drones, but the drones will see you, and even. You know, the drone manufacturers say, well, look, a person would just appear, appear like a dot, will appear to be an ant. But if you're recording what is going on, then you can actually trace what house that ant came from. So you can identify the person. You don't need to be looking straight into their face when you've got an eye in the sky, but you can just trace where they're walking from, where they're walking to, and you can get a good idea. About this. So, this is all called metadata, which governments are now collecting. So, you've got data itself. So, if I were to ring you, um, they may not necessarily record what we actually say in the phone conversation, but they would record the fact that I've rung you and then you've rung me. And that's metadata. So, the metadata would cover what number was rung, how long did the conversation go for. And obviously, if you've got I don't know, a man and a woman phoning each other excessively, you'll suspect there's something going on, either a romance or perhaps they're plotting to overthrow the government, but at least it would draw their attention to something unusual about this. And even if you try to outsmart it, you still end up with problems. Um, there's a lovely story of the head of um, CIA, General Petraeus, who was carrying on an affair with his biographer. and. They were both tech savvy. They both knew that their respective partners were able to track down emails and whatever. So he gave her his password and she gave him her password. So they would write a love letter but not send it. And so Petraeus would go into her email and look at the letter that she was intending to write to him Uh. and then she would type out a reply and then because he's got, her, well, he's got her password, he can read the letter and then she can read what he was going to say. So the email didn't actually move, if you're with me.
0: Well, then it wasn't on the system. No one could well, trace
1: exactly. it. Exactly. The reason they got sprung is that there was a, another woman involved who thought that uh, this woman was going after her man because there was a, an illicit romance going on there. You can see why the generals lose wars. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so... She then complained to FBI and said, um, I think that uh, there's a woman who's going after my general. And because she's a well-known Southern belle, she had the right connection. She didn't bother with the local police. She just went to head of FBI. And the romance was also being conducted from public facilities. So there's no way of tracking down where the emails were coming from. But FBI called up all of the email records of all the hotels in North America and they had a computer that could just work out if there was a pattern as to who was staying at a particular hotel and did that fit with any of the emails being sent or not sent or whatever. Really quite amazing how it was all done and you could only do it today because of technology. You know, you couldn't couldn't, uh, summon up everybody's records in the days of just going through things on ledgers. But now it's all fully automated. And, of course, the head of FBI then tracked down who the person was. You had the woman, who, in fact, wasn't after that woman's general. She had her own, General Petraeus. <laughs> but FBI realised they got the head of the rival agency, caught him, General Petraeus.
0: And what did they do with the information in the end?
1: Well, they, they, they made it public. He'd broken F, uh, CIA rules about releasing passwords and he had to resign. Politicians don't resign, but generals have a great sense of honour.
0: It's interesting you say that. And what I want to address, yep. so, you know, this whole uh, surveillance piece and metadata, you know, is creeping up on us so slowly in a way that we're letting it happen, aren't we?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and exactly what we're doing at the moment, you know, with this uh, QR code. Every restaurant, every hotel you go into, every cinema, et cetera, you are leaving your digital footprints everywhere you go.
0: You listen to Global Truth with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking about surveillance, and the best example is China, heavily, the most heavily surveilled population in the world. It is extraordinary. There are cameras everywhere, shops the street on every street corner probably on people's apartment buildings Keith yep. everything yep um they're keeping a close watch and i they mean they they've even got a credit system in china where if you're a good citizen you have more freedom of movement that's right and opportunities than if you are deemed to be someone of murky character as extraordinary yeah. anyway we're not quite there yet however we are getting there we're just talking before the break Keith and elaborate on this one for me how worried we should be and 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 how Surreptitiously, this is happening to us mm-hmm. because, as you said, COVID presented a great opportunity to yep. monitor us all.
1: Yep. So this the book that I've been reading is by John Fasman called "We See It All," um, which is um, just recently published in Australia. It's a remarkable book. Um, he actually is um, is not as gloomy about the future as I am when it comes to this subject, because uh, in the book he contains examples of people who fought back particularly keeping an eye on the police because you know, he's actually saying uh, that we can also monitor the police in a way that we couldn't do before. Remember the George Floyd matter uh, which has resulted in the Black Lives Matter campaign, et cetera? That was all caught on somebody's mobile phone. So in a sense, the police are having a more difficult time as well because they're also subject to this high degree of surveillance as well. So what Fasman is saying is, look, we're moving into a whole new era, which is very different. And what he is saying is that please read this book and then be on your guard, get to know what the risks are and let's see if we can find ways of putting checks and balances on the use of this. So he's so although the book is, is very scary, it does end on an optimistic note, this belief that it's possible to be able to restrict this technology and avoid it being abused. Now, I've also, coincidentally, um, I'm on the mailing list from a guy called Mark Hurst, who is in the United States, and he writes creative good for the last quarter of a century. And he, I think, shares more of my concern about the future when it comes to the surveillance complex. What's triggered, and he's particularly writing about technology, Um, so um, Amazon is now created uh, what's called the Ring Video Doorbell. So you have the doorbell on your front door and when you press to enter the person's house, you know, going say, hello, I'm here, the doorbell records you as Ring. And so you, you can look at, you know, the camera inside the house and say, oh, I'm not going to let that person in or, <laughs> you know, I'm going to let the person in, whatever. But what it's also doing is surveilling the street, 24 hours a day, everybody who walks past is caught up in this surveillance.
0: But you can't tell by looking at it.
1: It looks looks like like a a doorbell. Mm. But it's looking at you, it's looking at the street all the time. So only a minority of cameras are actually controlled by police. Most of them are controlled by shopkeepers. They may be on your dash cam in your car, et cetera. And so they just scoop up all the data That would uh, feed into the worries that people would have about the security of the surveillance state. But Mark Hurst is also talking about the way in which people leave digital footprints all over the place. For example, people who wear a Fitbit are sharing their data with Google. So Google is monitoring you. I'm looking at your face. Do you wear Fitbits? No, oh. I actually
0: don't, but um, the amount of people we know that do wear yeah. them. Yeah,
1: and so Google knows where they are at every moment of the day. I noticed it in the United States in the military they're now banning them because they're revealing where the soldiers Whoops. are deployed. Not ideal. Which leads into, again, this material from Mark Hurst talking about what's gone on in Afghanistan. So that in Afghanistan um, the, uh, there was a writer called Anne Jacobson Story of Modern War in the Age of Identity Dominance. So back in the year 2012, the army's uh, US Army's official strategy in Afghanistan was total surveillance, getting the fingerprints, facial images, iris scans and other biometrics from, well, everyone. I mean every single Afghan citizen that Americans encountered. And they were aiming overall to get about 80% of the entire population. So they did get that. But it didn't end the fighting. The fighting has continued. So Mark Hurst would argue that the people who made money out of that were the tech executives. They did very well, but it certainly didn't win the war for the Americans in Afghanistan. So we're spending lots of money on surveillance, but at the end of the day, will it work as smoothly as it does in the 90 minutes of Vera Stanhope (laughs) in her TV drama? Or in fact, will it be like Afghanistan, where you go to all this trouble and you still end up losing the war?
0: Well, this one means that what in here in Australia, what will be the benefits of having all this information and surveillance of all the people?
1: Well, the argument will be that it'll mean that it will deter people from committing crimes, and that'll include also, you know, any sort of political crimes, perhaps even going on demonstrations.
0: And that's will be the argument from the authorities and the government that this is this is crucial because we'll keep the crime rate down because well, people know they're being surveilled.
1: You're you're leaving digital footprints because you want to uh, make sure we don't have the spread of the COVID. They've scared you into agreeing to this surveillance technology. That's the risk you run. In the same way with all this elaborate airport security over an incident that occurred 20 years ago. But we've still got it. The people who are employed in airport security are not going to stand down. They want to hold on to their jobs. So that's your risk that once these temporary measures are introduced, they become permanent. And thus we slip into a surveillance state. That's the risk. That we run. And I got to say, you know, traveling in Eastern Europe, as I did extensively in the Cold War days, when I was chatting to people and I wanted to get on to what were then sensitive topics, they would always make sure that we went into a forest area or away from a crowd, away from where things could be monitored. Now, of course, if the KGB were uh, operating with this sort of surveillance technology, they could follow us around with little drones, which will hear all of our conversations you wouldn't be able to get away from them. You know, in the old days they used to put clunky microphones into lampshades etc. That era has gone.
0: On. They're much more sneaky about it now.
1: Absolutely.
0: So watch this space Keith. I'm sure that there will be developments for years to come. Indeed. Listener.